Hey everyone, this is Gorsha. We've been wanting to do a deep dive into the implications of the iOS 14.5 release for digital marketers, and today's episode is all about this. If you spend money on mobile marketing and you want to understand a bit more about what this update is all about, this episode is for you. So we hope you enjoy. Hello and uh, welcome to the 30-Minute CMO Podcast. I'm Gorsha Hucho and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and partner, Alex McNamara. Uh, how are you today, Alex? I'm good. I'm good. It's been, a, it's been a long day, so I have a personality drink in the form of level beer conversation juice. Conversation juice for the win. Uh, awesome. Well, <laughs> we're not, you and I aren't the only ones talking to one another today. We are also joined oh. by... Uh, an old friend, a former colleague, and uh, an expert on all things mobile advertising, uh, Dom Giraventa. He is currently a senior manager of user acquisition at the gaming company Electronic Arts, EA. Dom, welcome to our little show, and uh, it's nice to have you here. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the nice intro. Uh, do you have any conversation juice uh, to consume along the way? I do not. I, um, I didn't Podcast. get the memo. But but maybe I should. Rookie podcast, the R101. <laughs> yeah, it is. This is actually my first podcast, so I didn't know that was like the you know the thing we're doing here. But uh, yeah. I'll try to keep my energy up and and make sure that I'm matching you guys. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, well, Dom, in a in a in a few words, can you just uh, tell our audience uh, what you do at EA, um, and uh, we'll just go from there. Sure. Yeah. So uh, my role consists of, I guess, two uh, obligations. So my first one would be I'm the title lead for FIFA Mobile and Madden Mobile. So I see oversee user growth and revenue growth for both titles. Uh, and then my channel discipline that I oversee is ad networks. So working with, um, you know, native SDK uh, ad networks, also like having some insight into our DSP buying uh, and working with those partners and trying to scale those channels. Sweet. Um, our audience is a, is a varied one and, um, you know, in a nutshell, uh, for them, can you describe app marketing, you know, what it is, what are some of the most common KPIs that an app marketer would focus on? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, good app marketing is probably, uh, trying to drive not only installs, but post event or post install events, um, that are going to drive a significant uh, business outcome for you. And most of the time, like in the gaming space or uh, for, for most mobile companies, it's driving towards uh, ROAS or return on ad spend. Um, and you can even take that a step further uh, in looking at your lifetime value and um, trying to optimize to drive the most valuable users that are over the long term, whatever, you know, uh, window, one year, two years, six months that you that you choose. And you know, it's um, non-app marketers, they don't know much about things like Apple search ads, you know, things that are endemic to uh, mobile advertising. Um, what are some things that are unique to app marketing that, you know, for the rest of our conversations would be useful to have in mind? Yeah, um, well, I think I think there's some nuance. So, I mean, you already you always have your big two, your Facebook and your Googles. Um, and then you also, like you mentioned, you have Apple search, which is the other kind of search engine. Uh, or, or search uh, platform within the ad ecosystem or you can search within uh, the Apple App Store. Uh, but there's a ton of other, like more of a long tail ecosystem 
within the apps. So instead of, you know, we have our DSPs where you can buy through exchanges, but also SDK ad networks, or you could buy directly through SDK ad networks, which are um, uh, basically networks of, of a long list of apps, uh, all of which mm -hmm. who have implemented a company's SDK. So let's take like Iron Source or Tapjoy have implemented their mm -hmm. SDK within those apps. And then you can work directly with those partner with those like, yeah, those partners uh, to run campaigns and acquire users throughout their network. So uh, a lot of what's done in the mobile space is, um, is based on trying to attack the different levels within the um, waterfall for ad mediation and identifying what publishers perform well for your apps or what are good sources of users for your apps and then trying to attack different levels of the waterfall and, and managing your costs and such. So um, I think that's kind of a big difference within the mobile app ecosystem. Uh, then we also have like, you know, random things like uh, preloads through like Digital Turbine or Iron Source Aura, which are just the app preloaded on onto a given Android device. Uh, you optimize bids like that. So there's some nuanced uh, channels and platforms, but um, for the most part, you know, it's, there's a lot of parallels across all of media. Thanks for explaining that. And I think now with this in mind, um, we can dive into sort of the meat and potatoes of the topic that we wanted to discuss with you, which is the rollout of iOS 14.5 with all of the different restrictions that come with this. Um, explaining a little bit to the audience what the what all of that means, what the implications are. And I think, you know, Alex, you you had some great questions that you had teed up. So um, let's uh, let's let's try and let's try and uh, pick these out one by one yeah do you want to start with that one what is i mean like because we, we've talked about it Gorsha, on our a, a couple episodes ago what is ios 14.5 and how has it impacted you in your in your quest for acquisition yeah that's a loaded one um so i would say <laughs> uh well att or apple's like tracking transparency uh that has been the big change that came into effect with 14.5 um, and essentially what it was, was is now that, uh, whenever a user opens an app, a new app, uh, for the first time, they're going to see a prompt that tells them if they should, uh, allow to share their device information or deny. Um, mm -hmm. and for most mobile marketers, like, um, the device ID is what we use in an anonymous, anonymous, uh, in an aggregated fashion, uh, to tie back that performance of our campaigns. So if we're spending a certain amount, being able to tie back the revenue that's driven from those users from that campaign uh, and evaluate from the standpoint of ROAS or LTV. Um, and so without that ID, it's really difficult to assess campaign performance. Um, so just, just, just to unpack that a little bit more. So if I download, like if, if, if I'm on um, a mobile app or a mobile site or in Facebook and there's an ad that served to me for a game for FIFA, for instance, and I download that game through that app. And then throughout my kind of use lifetime usage of that app, I continue to make purchases because I can I can buy additional things um, that can all be tied in pre iOS 14.5. That could have been all tied back to that channel and you could have measured kind of lifetime effectiveness and not just the single download kind of um, ROI, correct, on a user level. Exactly. Exactly. So you're able to tie back that that lifetime value, the purchases throughout that player's lifespan, right? Um, and be able to attribute it back to a channel, a campaign, a certain creative. Um, just gives you more understanding of of 
where your ad dollars are going and, and informs you to make more, uh, I guess, responsible decisions. So, so even though you've, you ha- you've got them in and they've signed up to your service, you know, they've created a, a profile and then they're spending, they're buying you know, in-app purchases, even though that they've signed up and given you their email address from, a, from their profile portion, you can't tie that back and have a, a one-to-one um, so in, in the days you're collecting, it's not like, you know, Jimmy at gmail.com has spent this much money, uh, on these different products. You can't do that now. Uh, so you would be able to, with like that unique, with like a, an email, if you were prompting the users to enter that in. Uh, but the thing right. is, is like a lot of mobile games or a lot of mobile apps aren't necessarily going that route or haven't gone that route. Um, mm-hmm. just because it's an additional layer of friction to getting someone to install and become a player yeah. of the game. If you put that right front and center in the onboarding process, when it's not necessarily like mandatory, then a lot of people, it's, it just becomes a point where retention suffers and people just drop off. Um, for someone like, you know, like a subscription platform where like that's, you know, you have to sign up with an email, a Netflix, a Hulu, you're, you're like signing up online. That makes a ton of sense. But yeah, in mobile gaming, it's not as prevalent. Yeah, so I guess Nat, your your app on your phone is basically your your profile without giving having to sign in. You're just you're just opening it up. You have the game open like you would on a PlayStation, Xbox, or a PC. You're just gonna go and play without having to create a, your own profile because the phone is that essentially. Exactly. Yeah. So you'll have at the time of install, you'll maybe create or you will create a user ID, which is separate from the device ID. Um, so when people come back and log into their existing profile, they can get to that. But for the most part, it's like that is done through, um, your Apple game store account. Um, it's not really like tied through an email. So, uh, what do you think has prompted this, uh, this move by Apple? You know, it's clearly not great for, for, for you. I'm guessing for most advertisers, it's, uh, it's, it's creating friction to say the least. What's the rationale? that the best way you can describe it and understand yeah yeah well you know um this is one of those situations where you see writing on the wall and you and you think you know what's going on but it's not you know apple will never come out and say that uh i think under apple's voice they would say that this is all about privacy and and making sure that people have uh control and consent over where their information is shared and i you know, I definitely agree with that to an extent, um, and, and agree. I agree wholeheartedly that people should have uh, control and a say over over where their information is being used. Um, but I think the motivations are probably more so in a competitive vein than a uh, a moral one, where uh, you know they are essentially a walled garden. I mean, we we just had Elon Musk in in Tesla's. Um, uh, quarterly review, I believe. Uh, he was kind of making a nod to it about Apple kind of building up their walled garden and bludgeoning their competitors. Uh, and I think that's that's what we're seeing here. I mean, they have a gaming subscription on their own, and they also have a uh, uh, they're they're you know just kind of competing in a lot of spaces here. Um, and when when we talk about uh, the Fang companies, like 
Google and Facebook, they're not only competing in just the mobile ad ecosystem, they're competing across all of these other smaller companies that are spawning off of their their main core business. And so mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it feels a little bit Game of Thrones-esque. Um, but again, you're, you're never going to get that straight answer from anyone. That's kind of just, uh, you know, it's what some people are thinking. I think I think also it gives I think we've talked about this before it also gives Apple a, a white space to claim uh a, a brand positioning against what is the status quo with the Facebook and the and the Googles who are harvesting and collecting and are notorious for disregarding people and only focusing on data and making revenue from that and being able to say we're not that where we are we stand for privacy look at all we're doing to to keep you safe both from a security and from a data privacy are they uh doing i guess what they preach um and i in, in this i mean so if you're a mobile ad network an independent one like tabjoy or pick one right and you're all of a sudden like faced with this dilemma that um cre- like credit cannot be as easily attributed back to you the way it was before is apple ap- applying the same level of opaqueness to their own like apple search ads like are you now unable to um attribute um actions back to um their own platforms uh, advertising platforms that drive um drive some of these downloads yeah so their situation is a little bit different um all other advertisers are using uh sk ad network as the attribution system or framework um that we have to now use on ios uh, with the exception of Apple Search. Apple Search actually has its own uh, attribution system, which is a little bit closer to Last Touch, but not uh, exclusively that. I uh, I got briefed on the exact rules a couple of months ago, so they're not as fresh in my head, but basically I believe they um, uh, get, they don't show, they'll show you the exact amount of conversions that you'll get and there won't be any restrictions due to privacy thresholds or anything like that. Um, but you will, if someone obviously opts out, you won't get the device ID. Um, so it's a little bit better of a system. It's more accurate and it's not based on these conversion values that we're trying to like, you know, we're setting up these conversion value buckets based on revenue or telemetry events and trying to like send these back to partners and identify mm-hmm. user quality. And Apple's just kind of given us, you know, the the straight performance uh, themselves. So, in that sense, mm-hmm. they're they're they kind of have a different set of rules. And then also, like, um, you know, they're what what essentially happens with this ATT is like everybody else but Apple has the device ID. So Apple has the own de- their own device ID, and they're like also scaling up their ad products and building new ones. So it's it's a little bit of of like. Uh, you know they're doing this for now but at the same time they're running um you know apple arcade ads and 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 they have this trevor treasure trove of data that uh as we move throughout time no one else will have it's, which inherently seems co- to go against some of the things that they uh, say and imply that they're saying yeah because because the sk ad network that's a proprietary apple basically it's an attribution tool where ad networks have to register with apple share i don't know some kind of data and then apple because most people had a a choice of mobile measurement partner mmp um you know an apps flyer or an adjust and they would do the attribution for you apple have basically 
wipe those kind of those guys out because there's no need for attribution partners if apple's going to do that for you like you just said with the straight performance you don't get the the bells and whistles but you do get the conversion data um, yeah so at we're least so it looks like they're trying exactly. to trying to yeah you can have stuff. the direct lines to sk ad network um through their api uh, but a lot of the mmps have actually done a good job of uh, making those connections allowing uh, uh through their uis allowing you to like build your conversion buckets and your conversion models so um they're staying on top of it and it, it's kind of a help but yeah they're um they're definitely at risk as well and i think i think they know that um which is why there's you know uh we use singular and there's just a ton of other capabilities outside of just the attribution standpoint that not only are they staying on top of sk ad network and all the developments there but um you know obviously cost aggregation creative reporting um ad monetization you can pipe that all into singular uh and the other ones i know apps flyers doing something with ltv that seems pretty interesting like um I, th I think we've had a year a lot of these businesses have had a year to like kind of say okay this is changing how do we adapt and like still provide value um so it'll be interesting to continue to see that happen yeah and i think just to just to clarify i guess for for, for the listeners you're hearing a lot of names um, of companies that play a very significant role in this mobile marketing ecosystem and they are not the same players that you will hear in the in the non-mobile ecosystem you know like the um you know the major dmps the major dsps like there is still um a pretty plentiful or at least was a pretty plentiful field fairly virgin as well for these new companies to go and solve problems around attribution around targeting within within mobile it feels like in the last year with these changes too many of them have been getting bought up or put put themselves up for sale in order to kind of couple up with some of the bigger players because they were maybe unsure of what their business model was going to be moving forward with some of these changes. Yeah, right? for sure. I think um, I think there's a few a few ways to look at it and it really depends on the um, the what, what the acquisition is. But I think uh, and maybe this is just speaking from our standpoint, but uh, it really makes sense in the case of the, you know, the DSPs or the networks that are being scooped up by actual publishers. Um, with these changes, it, it makes more sense now than ever to rely on your own uh, data and bidding models and buy, buying capabilities to actually reach these, you know, reach users, because then you can fuel, um, you can fuel these buying algorithms and these buying platforms and, and actually enter like DSP auctions with uh your own data and not have to worry about privacy restrictions so it's kind of twofold you get a buying platform yourself that you can execute and have no worries from a privacy standpoint um and then also you have uh another you know ad business that you can it's just another stream of revenue so on on that on the on the flip side i know you you focus more as um as as the game and as the user acquisition uh you're trying to find the users on the on the flip side if you're an app and you rely heavily on in-app advertising and revenue how is this in, i'm not sure how how in depth you know about this but how has this impacted your business model if you uh can't collect user data so you can't report that to the ad network and say i've got you know these these types of people here i've got i can target them with their you know you know device ids um what is the impact for them and how are they having to to uh, rework their 
business model is it to going back to more yeah. like a demographic yeah i think it's example. uh it's definitely shocked the system for like those ad uh those ad based apps i think for us we're a little it we're in a decent spot because so much of our games are are based in like uh you know rpg or like for the sports games are really based on like that card based ultimate team uh, economy but for those type of apps like I would imagine your CPMs on iOS are going to have been like declining just because, and therefore your revenue, because um, you're not able to have that identifier and have that, you know, revenue based like ROAS optimization or CPA optimization. You can't really tie back to that user. Um, so I know for us, like we've been, you know, even going back to testing, like, or a lot of the ad networks themselves only have CPI. Uh, bidding right now on on ios scan yeah and it's on a publisher country level and you're really you're back to being like super granular and uh focusing on what sources are doing well so it's 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 really tricky um we're kind of taking a little bit of a step back which i don't know if it's not necessarily a bad thing from a privacy standpoint but yeah for these companies that are so reliant on ad revenue to just like at a flip of a switch have to account for this decline in, in revenue and, and kind of adapt, you know, whether it's, you know, resourcing headcount, all this kind of stuff, I, I can imagine it's, it's probably pretty difficult. Um, I have a question. So, you know, on the desktop side to draw, draw parallels, the death of the cookie has, has been foreshadowed for some time. And um, there's been a debate about whether that's going to bring changes and maybe changes that are seen as, as, as better for the consumer, especially around like better content, um, uh, you know, contextual targeting with better ads uh, that rely more on the creative to bring you in because you're not as as capable of targeting so hyper granularly anymore. Are you seeing any opportunities coming out of these changes in the mobile space for both like advertisers and publishers to to create a better experience for for the consumer who is being ultimately served? Yeah, these ads? yeah, I think so. I mean, um, that even even without tracking, like that's such a big part of the UA role, right? Where it's like um, through through creative. And even as like these platforms tend to get more smart and dynamic and like autonomous, um, like on Facebook, you have automated app ads where there's really no targeting. You just put in the country you want to serve in, your budget, and you put in the creatives and let it go. So creatives become such like a large lever that I do agree. It's, it's um, you need to be more concise and uh, uh, like convey a better option or like a, a better message to your users. Um, targeting is just kind of the easier way to pre-qualify and find that audience. But, you know, if you don't have those tools, it, it does make it a little bit tougher, but um, it's what you get paid for. And how, 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 how do you think, uh, how tuned in do you think uh, mobile advertisers are to this idea that creative needs to get better? Because I, f I feel like mobile creative has been trash for such a long time. Well, that yeah, yeah, and that's where you get into the the quantifying it. It's like, is it trash um, from the messaging and, and everything standpoint? Prob yeah, for sure. Like all of those fake ads that look are videos, but they look like playables and you tap those or it's like the most risque concepts. Like, yeah, for sure. But uh, when you're evaluating performance, like I'd imagine those have super high click-through rates and then probably like decent CTIs, like, but from a KPI standpoint on the front end, like they have to be paying off. So uh, 
I mean, hopefully people just stop clicking on them. Like that's the, that's the easiest resolution, but, um, without that, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I guess that's just kind of the state of gaming right now until people, people catch up to it. I know we, it's not something we're going to lean into. I know a lot of like probably like bigger publishers aren't going to try and go that route. Um, especially when you're, you're working with IP, you can never really kind of do these, these fake slides of the hand. I, I got a question for you. You mentioned it at the beginning and sort of like your explanation is when people load up an app for, for the first time or after a major update, I think um, they get served the, do you want us to, do, are you consenting to basically share your data with us? Um, and as a default, you have to, they have to be at a no and you have to opt in. Have you, have you heard you know, whether you do it or have you heard other people doing it, but have you seen anyone work it basically where they don't show this message at the first uh, at your at the first load? They operate with basically without your consent for a while. Then you open the app one time. You have a pop up interstitial that says, "Hey, you know, you may have seen the the ads haven't been super tailored to you or very you know very relevant. If you opt in, your experience will be better." We're going to show you the the message now. If you opt in, you'll have a you have a better experience. You close that, the thing pops up, and people say yes or no to to the consent. I so have have you thought about that? Have you experienced that? Do you know anyone who has experienced that? And if so, has it worked, or is it just a waste of time? We haven't explored that option. I think we've been pretty by the book by it, but I like it. I mean, I've seen some. I'm trying to remember which apps that I've seen it in. And I don't know if it was maybe maybe it wasn't at my first open, maybe it was a bit delayed, but having some sort of interstitial, uh, even I think I've seen some at first open where it's like, hey, so you're about to see this prompt. Uh, we use your device information for this, this and this to make sure that we're serving you like say it's the Nike app. We want to make sure that we're serving you like uh, the most relevant sneakers and clothes that like you think that we think you would like. Uh, and then they surface the app. I think that's like it's essentially landing page optimization for web, right? Like it's like trying to improve that conversion rate so you have a better understanding of those users yeah. over time. Um, so I think it's definitely worth doing, definitely worth exploring. Um, yeah, it just depends on team bandwidth and, and expertise and willingness to to want to prioritize that. You know, Alex and Dom, you guys raise a interesting topic and one that I, I, I listened a little bit to on, on another marketing podcast, one exists. Um, the... I think it kind of sort of depends on the value proposition of the app and uh, the story that they mentioned was of a music app and I forget what it is. It's not one of the major ones, but they had an extraordinarily high success rate at, ident uh, at getting people to opt in. It was something like in the 60s and you guys may have heard about this and they did what you're describing, Alex. They basically preempted the prompt with a few messages that talked about how they, you know, to, to continue to deliver music that was sort of customized to the tastes of of the listener and it was a free free to play app they needed this information they needed you to opt in and by the time the prompt was actually delivered people were primed enough and believed enough in the value exchange that they mm -hmm. tapped yes um i guess it depends on on who you are what your business is and what you bring to that consumer but if it's if it's good enough and you and you and you preempt it well enough there should be a higher chance of someone saying yes to it so it's almost like delivering a messaging hierarchy of, you know, full funnel, go top to bottom funnel to get that conversion of, of an opt-in. 
If yeah. only we had some marketing people who could think about that. Mm. <laughs> Imagine. Um, <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> uh, I, uh, but so Apple isn't the only player in the ecosystem. Obviously, there's Android, and uh, we 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 talk so much about Apple, but they're actually the minority of the market in terms of devices. Um, globally, for sure, and I think even in the U.S., they yeah. they're not. I think U.S. is sure as well. Yeah, uh, we do know that people who own iPhones tend to make more in-app purchases, and generally are seen as as a more favorable kind of audience commercially. But has your strategy kind of separated between how you think about uh, Android users versus Apple, based on what's been happening, or are you broadly keeping? the same line of thinking as you go into the market? Uh, I think Android's pretty much in the same sense as we were before, you know, uh, on iOS, like you still have last touch attribution. Um, you're still working with like the same similar partners. Um, I think there will be a point potentially where there's some privacy changes or you already kind of hear rumblings every six months on, you know, in anticipation of a change coming. Uh, but for now, I think the biggest thing is that it seems like everyone most advertisers are shifting a lot of their budget to Android. It's making it more competitive and driving up CPM. So um, it's just making things more costly uh, across the board for everybody. So app publishers on Android, um, those who are focused on user acquisition will end up spending more of their budget uh, on the Android users. And those who are publishers will end up reaping the benefits uh, because the CPMs there will be higher. Exactly, exactly. So if you're um a international publisher or you have like uh you know a stronghold in a in countries where android is much more dominant uh then you're in a good spot right now um but if you were pretty if you were super reliant on ios um revenue from an ad standpoint or if facebook was your facebook ios was your primary channel and platform like you're, you're going through some some tough times so we did we did a lot of chatting about ios um we want to chat about chat about uh dom do you want to would love to get your perspective and we kind of touched on it but sort of you know where you've you know because you went from agency side to to brand side how have you enjoyed that shift or not enjoyed it um but how have you felt the difference between agency and brands and your ability to you know focus on user acquisition for multiple clients or just for your brand and your multiple portfolios yeah yeah it's been interesting i mean i like um i definitely like gained so much experience on the agency side and one of the things about agency was i i loved being able to see what el what everyone else was working on and kind of like understand how different business models work like especially at a younger age when you're you know you're just pretty new to the industry so understanding how other people are executing, uh, what channels are running, all that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the th big things I learned on agency side was, um, the, or one of the challenges was not having the most uh, influence from like a product perspective or like not having that reliance from being in-house, like mm -hmm. uh, that you just don't have that necessarily that trust factor, even if, you know, um, you can build a rapport over, you know, a good period of time and, and gain their respect. And, um, but in order for your client, who's like most market, most likely like an internal marketing manager to then go to their engineering team and try to implement something or improve the first time, uh, user experience or like the, the tutorial, like 
that kind of stuff is, is really difficult to pull off from an agency perspective. So that's, that's where I knew I wanted to move in house, um, just to be able to kind of be closer to product. And that, I think in the roles that I've had within EA, uh, first off was like on a, basically on a UA performance media team for both HD or what HD is what we call uh, console and PC. And then also mobile moving to more of like, a, again, a, a move closer to product where you're like more entwined with the PMs and the engineers, data scientists, creative, mm -hmm. uh, and working in more like a full growth aspect uh, on the mobile team. Do you, do you, that sounds like a very specific use case you just gave us with like the tutorial and the onboarding. Did you, do you, are you able to share an example of where from a marketing standpoint, you saw something that could be changed to make it better and work with product to, uh, to do that? Yeah. Um, let's see that nothing actually with the Fatui exactly. That's a, that was, uh, a conversation for one of our titles for sure. Um, but that proved out to be a little difficult to, to navigate. Uh, I would say something like the complete synergy, um, of UA, product ASO like that we really experienced recently would be from uh, the Mandalorian season two launch for Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. So it was like slated to be, you know, they were going to have a ton of in-game content. Uh, and this was, I believe in last November. So our team was started in April. And so this was like kind of our big push to really show uh, what we could do. And it was a like full team effort. We were like kind of a small lean and, lean and mean team, but uh, we were able to scale up budgets like pretty heavily during that period uh, using Mandalorian content in our ads and then having Mandalorian content featured on the app store and then leading into the experience within the game and then also having some retargeting in there as well uh, to, to engage like lapsed users that were at a high enough level within the game to engage with all of the, the cool Mandalorian content. So um, I think that's when uh, being closer to product and live ops like really helps is is being able to align for these big moments and being tied to live services, which is continues to be the area that that mobile, at least mobile gaming kind of leans into. If you think about the major players, it's all about like what events are happening, the social components, the competitive components. Um, and so tying all that together is just, I don't know, it's super interesting to me. Yeah, being able to see it come down the line um just yeah sorry seeing it come down the line preparing your sort of your marketing and how you're going to approach it and being able to not just get a brief and be like go activate it's you know really saying oh if i want to activate that in six months time let's tie together all of the creative so what i'm going to do now is figure out what you're making from a creative point of view so that your ad ties into the to the app store landing page ties into the the little icon on your phone ties into the homepage ties in. So everything feels like it's a continuous journey and you're able to input into that, um, which I think is a really important thing of what you see in an ad and what you then get has to match. Otherwise you, you'll abandon almost immediately. Sorry, Gorsha, I cut you off. No, no. Um, I, Back to um, you. I, <laughs> I wanted to, Back to you in the uh, studio. I wanted to ask them uh, the scenario they sort of painted. Um, I think it's a it's it's a common frustration for people on the agency side because they don't really have the visibility into resources at the client, right? And so um, 
one client that we all commonly worked on back in our day in our agency, um, they had a really deep, like they had a problem because they could not allow us to deep link into their content. And so we only were able to drive people to say the splash screen, but like never into the actual content that we were advertising on their behalf. And they knew that they needed to have this done, but the, whether there was a lack of engineering resources, their inability to get into the queue or whatever was a really frustrating point of communication and jeopardized performance. Okay, assuming that that is something that exists with many companies, resources are lacking, you know, you, you haven't hired for that position, etc. Do you think being inside the organization versus being on the outside helps you better deal with this? Can you plan around this better than um, than if you were sitting outside of it doing UA UA for EA? Um, what are your thoughts on this? I think it's twofold. Um, I think you're you're more in the know of the actual reasons. So I think it's like if even if there's no way to change it, it's at least like a little more reassuring. And maybe you can get that. Maybe you have that relationship with with your client at an agency. But I know at at my current time, like it was more of just like uh more of like a blanketed statement just like no we we can't do this or we can't support it at this time but there was no like reason why or like what was the priority um so i think just having that context of of um of priorities and and resources is is like good information and that's kind of what you get internally which isn't the you know that's not a driver of why you pick a career or a company but um i think it, you also have the opportunity to influence um, and try to educate internally on on what you think is the right decision to be making and provide data points why. Um, so especially, you know, in my experience at EA, like um, where we're traditionally a, a console business, like um, helping people understand from every aspect, like how mobile might be different than than what we do, than what we would do on, on a console game. You know, we're not... Um, building marketing materials and uh, that are going to go on the, the cover of the game. And it's not going to be sold like through through brick and mortar. Like we're constantly this is a live service. We're constantly updating the app store. We're, we're running A-B tests on ad creatives. We're coming up with new concepts. You know, this is like a living, breathing product versus like from set to launch. And so I, I kind of went on a tangent, but it's more of like um, those educational pieces um, whereas in an agency, you might only have that 30 minute or hour call on that week to really like drive home the few points that you want to, or you have this more of like a, we're on the same team lasting relationship where incentives are absolutely aligned, uh, because we're on this, we're within the same company. Allows you to move faster and more unison. Yeah. Yeah. Everything you're doing is driving to the same, the same end goal. So there's no there's no question around what your motives are it's it's make the best product make it get enough people to play the best product definitely um so what what kind of advice we like to ask smart people for advice here as a very experienced user acquisition marketer what advice would you give to someone who is either starting out or is someone who owns a product or has launched an app and then not what would you what would you tell them you're in the pub they're like hey Dom give me give me give me some give me some words of wisdom here I need to I need to get this ball rolling what do I do like what tech can I use to make my life easier what with? tech yeah like what what, what can tech I do? what what strategies what can I do what do I who do I have to bring on board to make my life easier yeah um 
That's a good question. I mean, I would say that just knowing the fundamentals is is kind of game changing. Uh, and, and that should be your focus and uh, making sure you have the right KPIs for every action and understanding the impact that something's going to have on your business. So, um, but we're at a pub, we're hanging out. So I'll, I'll dumb this down a little bit. What you want to know is each of the metrics in, in the funnel and optimizing those. So from your ads, you want to you want to be try, trying to improve CTR from uh, once you get to the app store, you want to be improving your click to install rate. And then on the product side within the game, they want to be improving the Fatui or the first time user experience, the tutorial, whatever you call it, and then early retention. And then you're working with live ops to optimize uh, monetization. And so that's where your core group comes from. And then from there, it's really iterating and trying to improve on those metrics and making sure that one aspect isn't hurting the rest. And that's really all it is. Like you're trying to have good creatives that lead to a good landing page that uh, lead to a good product or a good experience. Um, and if you can nail those down and just systematically improve those over time, like that's growth. That's excellent advice. I think I, saying that it starts with the fundamentals and then breaking it down like this is, is you, you can't go wrong. That was the most simple way someone's explained that to me ever. And I thought that was brilliant. I also, I've learned a new word for TUI uh which is what is that first time user experience yeah, yeah I, didn't, I don't know if that's just an ea thing well, i don't think it is but who knows we have a lot of weird acronyms well watch watch me use it all next week when i'm talking to product yeah throw it out there and see if we've got to improve they'll the like, they'll, be like, oh, they'll be like oh that's a smart guy i want to have a drink with him and learn about what <laughs> <laughs> i want to have a drink with the fatui guy yeah well, if it's, you will be known as a fatui guy <laughs> Please do that and report back. Uh, are we'll there any do. are there any tools that help life easier along that journey for for you um, that you could recommend? Um, honestly, not that's not that's like super readily accessible. I'd say the biggest um, weight off my back has been just having a dedicated internal data team, like within the U, embedded within the UA team, and having data scientists that can help us yeah. out with like different projects uh and and just like having you know having those resources um you have your standard like you know it, it's a lot easier to have those resources and i, I know I'm, I'm speaking from a place of luxury where you know i'm at a bigger company and and maybe it's not as scrappy but i mean we're just literally ingesting from platform cost and platform data into singular um and then using singular for attribution and then from there uh you, you could do a lot within the ui so uh if you're strapped, I suggest that. Um, but from there, our data team is able to export everything they really need. Uh, we create visual visualizations in Looker, and like that's the bare bones of what you need. And then from there, you get into more sophisticated forms of measurement, like uh, you know, trying to understand a little bit more of the incrementality of of performance and understanding K factor and the increase in our great in organics from your paid media mixed media modeling like um i don't know if you had a budget to buy a few you know say a six figure a six figure budget to pick a platform or a data scientist i'd probably pick the data scientist 
That's that's a good that's a good piece of advice there. And once um, and once you pick them, you better feed them well and make sure they're well taken care of. Exactly. So, so, they, so that they prioritize your asks and not some other team. I've got one more. I got one more question for you. Uh, remarketing re-engagement. So you've spent all this money and all this effort to get someone in, and they're playing the game. Is there a tool um, that you use or a, a sort of a, a remarketing re-engagement uh, strategy that you have sort of push and email um, to keep people coming back in um, segmenting users by what games they're playing how often they play when they play and sort of matching that to a push notification strategy or an email strategy and do you have a tool that does that so we're not fully connected to that side yet um, and it's it's a it's really different for each studio um, I would say, kind of blanking on, on what was just onboarded for Star Wars, uh, but it has that capability. It's not mixed panel, it's something else. I don't wanna like ramble on on here and try to name off names. Uh, but from a retargeting standpoint, yeah, like we, we typically just do a holdout internally and like hold out, you know, 10 to 20% when we're doing retargeting uh, and then evaluate with, you know, our internal analysts or data scientists or whoever, whoever it might be and understand the lift there. Um, that's gonna be tough with iOS these days. So it's, you're kind of stuck with Android for now, but um, on the console side of the business, we do have some like dynamic messaging uh, through email based on a lot of different like audience segments and what games that you play. I think we're still in the earlier stages of building out our mobile like CDP and then activating across apps and then also like uh having the live ops teams within each studio to manage that you got that one alex I've got it i i'm gonna listen back to this one to make sure i definitely got it before i can take it in on, on monday so i can sound super yeah. smart i'll try to uh i'll go. try to look up that platform tell that and, free? and shoot it a... over to you <laughs> i feel like I feel how like could you tell alex, that was I, a very I, specific I, question <laughs> i feel like alex is the guy at the pub <laughs> I, I am i am I've, I've got my conversation juice we're hanging out yeah uh, and i've got a, a bunch of questions i've been saving up all week to come and talk to you about perfect exactly time, right yeah yeah you're making making me miss the it's conversation almost like i planned this um uh, <laughs> that's, we'll that's send gonna you be some. your immediate next step um or as my company says nb next best next best engagement um next hey, best engagement yeah <laughs> that's great Dom, thank you so much for coming here, lifting the veil off of some of the mysteries around this uh, iOS update. I think a lot of people are wondering what that means to them as marketers, as consumers, as publishers. I think this is really helpful um, and you've helped us get beyond just the edges of that. And then also um, getting granular and nerdy with us on some of the tactics and some of the things that uh, go into UA and, and, and how you think about it on a day-to-day -day basis from, from your side of things. Yeah, for sure. Always down to get granular and nerdy. So whenever you want, whenever you want another uh, mobile conversation, <laughs> let me we'll, know. We'll, we'll, wait, we'll, we'll wait for Alex to uh, build up a few more questions uh, and maybe... <laughs> yeah, I might need to talk to you again in, in a, in a couple right. weeks. We'll be back on under the guise of, of podcasts. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. This was super helpful. Um, it was great to see you. Have a good one.